Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much. Good to have you back, Pat. Back in the saddle. It, it is It is good to be back. I appreciate uh, you accommodating me today. I asked for an earlier recording time because, uh, well, my, my personal life has been insane lately, so... Uh, we had a real real late night last night, and uh, the earlier we could record tonight, the better, so it worked out great for me. Yeah, I mean, you were celebrating uh, Antonio Bonito's signing of the Patriots, right? Right? <laughs> yes, Antonio Bonito. Yeah, Bobby Bonilla signed <laughs> with the Patriots, and uh, uh, no, so this, well, this weekend, this weekend was nuts, right? So Saturday, um, my buddy Steve works for Nesson. And uh, he's he's kids like I, you know I roomed with him in college. We played football together. He was the best man of my wedding. I, him and I go way back. Anyway, he really wanted to take Liam out to his first uh, Red Sox game. So I'm like, all right, sweet, yeah, that, that sounds cool. So he's like, all right, come uh, meet me at my place. We'll drive up to Boston. We'll go to the Sox game. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to his place. Go up to Boston. We're walking around Fenway. I'm like, man, there's all these Yankees jerseys here. I was like, Jerry, who are they playing today? He's like, oh, they're. Oh, I'm like, uh, Steve, who are they playing today? He's like, oh, they're playing the Yankees. I'm like, ah, oh, sweet. So anyway, so we go into the stadium and like because he's got you know he's been working for Nesson for like I don't know a decade or so he knows all the broadcasters. So we go like got to go into the broadcast booth. We got to meet a bunch of uh, a bunch of the former players. Like we met Tim Wakefield and Trot Nixon and uh, Jerry Remy up up top in the booth and uh, Liam like got a ball sign. We got down on the field before the game and the dugout and stuff. It was nuts. We went all behind the scenes. It was a great time. So that was my Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, we had our first football game. So I was at the football field all day with the kids. And then Sunday night, uh, Luke came into my room at like uh, around midnight, a little after midnight, like like wheezing real bad. Said he couldn't breathe, so we had to take him to the ER, and it was just a whole thing. So anyway, long story short, <laughs> I'm like exhausted. So Man, uh, if only Wizards of the Coast would come out with a mobile version of uh, MTGO, you could have gotten so much legacy grinding in while you're just sitting there at the ER. <laughs> It's true. Actually, uh, full disclosure, my wife took him to the ER, and I stayed home because obviously Liam was still sleeping. <laughs> so, but still, it was uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a hectic weekend to say the least. But uh, yeah. but we're here tonight. We're here to talk about magic. I'm really excited. I haven't. And last week, last week I had an issue with my shower that was a repair that took that I thought was going to take a half hour. It took me like four hours to finish, and it was just a nightmare. And yeah, yeah halfway like, through the cast, you just sent me a picture, and like your bathroom wall was missing. I'm like, that doesn't look yeah. like a late repair, Pat. I'm like, uh, yeah. So uh, I thought I'd be able to get behind this shower, and I had to go through like four layers, including horsehair plaster and lattice, and it was just a, it was it was not uh, so. It was, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I just told you to say hi to Adrian for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean that those are the joys of owning a home in New England. Like basically every house up here is super old. My house was built uh in the late 1700s, no joke. So like anytime you take on a project, it's just uh it is a waking nightmare that you don't even want to that you don't even want to talk about. So but uh yeah, so the last couple weeks have been nuts and uh but hey, we're here. We're here to talk about legacy and uh we got a bunch of spoilers to go over today, Jerry. We do. But uh Pat, you know, I was I was worried 
uh, we wouldn't have the legacy acume on our own. You know, I, I, I figured uh, we'd both been busy. We needed we needed a third pillar to help hold up this podcast. I agree. I feel like the like the tripod is the strongest uh, structure in all of magic. Yeah, so. the kickstand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we brought the greatest kickstand we could find tonight. Exactly. Welcome back to the cast, James Shu. What's up, man? Hey guys, good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So last time you were on, uh, I think was, I think uh, almost two years ago, was it? Uh, when we were talking about hum- humans and magic. The book, right? We were talking about the book. Oh, yes. Before the podcast Before even the started, podcast even started, right. Yeah, yeah it was a few cool. millennia ago. It's It's been a while. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. For sure, for sure. So I guess before we kind of get into the meat of today's episode, do you want to give everyone kind of a quick update of what you've been up to? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for uh, thanks for prompting that. Uh, so I've been working on Cardboard Live. We've been doing a lot of stuff on the tournament side. Uh, you know, we've been working with you guys for Leaving a Legacy, mm-hmm. and also with some of the high level tournaments like Channel Fireball, Star City Games, and the Mythic Championships. I guess they're still called MCs, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yep. right. And I've also been busy with the Humans of Magic project, so I've been podcasting a little bit more this year, and also getting ready for. The book that we talked about two years ago, it's finally, finally going to come out next month. Nice. Oh, really? Wow. Next month? Oh, perfect timing. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So uh, is the title is the title settled on? It's pretty much the same. Yeah, I figured that there was no point to have another title, so it's just called Humans and Magic. Very nice. And this, this book, uh, from what I remember, kind of chronicled your journey with magic and you know balancing a magic life and a social life and a personal life and you know kind of coming at odds with things and just trying to make sense of the world of magic oh yeah this one is actually not going to be about me at all so this is kind of a this one it will be kind of a greatest hits so i've done three years of the podcast with one-on-one talks with people and so i just wanted to have a chance to take a dozen of the best interviews put it into text format, put in some additional commentary and just basically put it into one package. Awesome, man. So can you give us a little, uh, little taste? What are some of the, uh, the interviews people will be able to find in the pages? Yeah. So we've got John Finkel, Jerry Thompson, Bob Hong. Cause I wanted to have someone who was legacy centric in there, Emma Handy and, uh, PV, a couple of other folks as well. Awesome. Now, so can I ask you, like, what are the challenges? Like, so it's it's not just a transcription of the podcast, right? It's more than that? It's definitely more, because yeah. if you do a straight transcription, it's not very interesting. And so mm-hmm. in some cases, I've had to clean up some of the questions, make it more readable. And I've also tried to link together some of the chapters, because when, when you talk to a bunch of Magic players, as you guys know very well, you know, because you guys do it super well for Leaving a Legacy... It's there's sort of common themes that go across mm-hmm. different guests. Almost, it's like whether you're talking to to Finko or PV or or Bob Huang, they're always talking about things that are sort of thematically similar. And so I try to have things that sort of anchor and put them unify them together. So there's a little bit of introduction for every chapter, and also an overall introduction, things like that. That's awesome, sick. Uh, and your first book, your is your first book uh, still available? Yes, it is still available. It's still out there. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, that's that's sick. You've definitely been uh, very busy. I feel you've been very busy on kind of like the back back end behind the scenes of magic, which is very important, and I don't think gets enough uh, love in the grand scheme of things. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's that's something that I'm really interested in myself, and so I just wanted to keep exploring that. Awesome. Uh, sick. Well, uh, it's been kind of a slow news week for Legacy, but that is okay because next week we have SCG Syracuse, uh, and the week after that is GP Atlanta. So we're going to have a ton of results to pour over uh, in the next couple of weeks. But this week, I think we just kind of wanted to take it easy and conveniently, the uh, we're starting to get into the depths of a spoiler season. And there's actually already some pretty spicy cards. So I think we're going to spend most of this episode just kind of taking a deep dive at the spoiler list so far. I I want this episode to kind of feel like your favorite pair of sweatpants. You know, that's like comforting. (laughs) It's pretty loose fitting, but it still it still hugs your body enough to where you can walk around the house in them. Yeah. And listen, I just want to be I wanted this to be like to a real relaxed episode. And I chilled out. I want this episode to be like mashed potatoes. You know, your favorite comfort food where it just makes you feel all right and it's all warm. Warm and good and wholesome. And, you know, when we take both of those together, this episode is going to be like wearing your favorite pair of sweatpants and just like... Full of mashed potatoes. Yes, stuffing it full of mashed potatoes. <laughs> exactly. This is, this, I love this that. is what this episode is going to be about. That's such a nice fall feeling. That's like a nice fall visual. <laughs> uh, yeah, sweatpants stuffed with mashed potatoes. I think, I think we need to release a companion episode of this is just asmr me stuffing my sweatpants full of mashed potatoes for 35 minutes uh yeah definitely definitely so james you think you have time yeah, to uh, like factor this into your book because i think this does this, <laughs> this deserves to go out to the people this might be one of the most important chapters in the book sure. yeah it's like turning point actually we'll call it sweatpants yeah. <laughs> artistic excellent so we have throne of eldraine the newest uh, set that's getting spoiled right now from from Watsi. Um, Seventy two cards of the set spoiled so far, and one thing I've noticed is that this is not nearly. I don't think this is going to be as impactful as War of the Spark or no. uh, Modern Horizons. Thankfully, yeah, thank God. I don't think um, we can handle yeah, another one. <laughs> there were so many. Just like uh, it, it, it's just what's the best way to put this? I haven't played a ton of Legacy, so a lot of my information right now is going to be tertiary um, from other people's experience and just sort of understanding the format a little bit um but people seem to like i think that the the last couple sets have really kind of uh split the like the the viewpoint of the format um some people are finding these cards to be very swingy like i know red and six and and uh plague engineer are pretty rough cards i played against the plague, plague engineer it's not super fun uh, to play against, and uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see like where these cards are going to fit in, if they're even going to make the cut. Really, uh, there are some good ones in here, but I'll be interested to see how we how this uh, affects the format for sure. Yeah, James, uh, what's your impression of the set so far? Have you really had a chance to kind of dig into it yet, or is this kind of going to be your first look? I have had a chance to see the to to follow the spoilers, and I agree with you guys. There's not as impactful a power level of the cards, at least for Legacy. I mean, generally in Legacy, you're looking at cards that are 3-4 CC at max, right? And Mm -hmm. of the ones that I've seen so far, there's some interesting ones. I guess we'll talk about the Planeswalkers, but nothing super stands out like War of the Spark or even M20 in terms of Legacy impactful cards. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. I think it's time to let the format settle a bit. For me, though, yeah, agreed. this set is already a huge flavor win. Mm. Um, this set... It's super flavorful. Yeah, this set completely snuck up on me, mostly because I think I've just been burned out with spoiler season. I stopped, like, mm-hmm. looking for spoilers, so I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, because, like, they started spoiling this, like, super early. Like, I remember the Goldilocks card that's in this uh, set. That got spoiled, uh, like, I want to say a couple months ago. And people kind of mm-hmm. registered it and then just promptly forgot about it um but yeah this this set sweet uh, as kind of everyone's <laughs> pointed out uh it's a fairy tale theme set kind of going back to that uh like Lorwyn flavor which people have really been asking for i know last couple times i've met up with gavin i've been like asking like yo when are we going back to Lorwyn? when are we getting another fairy tale set and feels like this is kind of like the spiritual uh you know follow-up to Lorwyn. yeah it, it definitely has that flavor. The fantasy flavor of this is is super cool. You get a lot of like the Brothers Grimm vibe out of a lot of these cards. Um, there's some really uh, one thing I think that we that we don't see enough of outside of like the unglued set. The unsets are just like being a little bit funny, not taking the game so seriously. So yes. there's some pretty great puns in here that I want to we'll we'll go over like towards the end of the podcast. It's super whimsical. Um, very much so very much so and i guess some people this is kind of a contentious point like some people are calling it like the shrek set um i know connor (laughs) posted up in the facebook group oh my god yeah it was perfect like (laughs) doctor the doctored pack yeah the doc someone someone photoshopped the uh the pack to have shrek on it and it just looked perfect Mm. but like if you also saw uh real quick before we get into the cards themselves did you guys watch the throne of eldraine uh spoiler or the the uh, like, oh, like the, the hype video the trailer i did i did what what did yeah. what did you guys think of it i think all the money that has been going into coverage has been made to has been used for hype videos but they're fine <laughs> yeah what about you james yeah i mean it was super well made even even more well made than the war of the spark one right yeah which was really good yeah war, i think they have been upping their trailer videos substantially and i think it's definitely paying off i think it really gets people hyped up for the game and yeah the quality's been great i remember i showed it to my friend mike and all he's all he replied is like just make a movie already like yeah <laughs> they're they're making like blockbuster worthy short films at this point and they really like if they can capture that lightning in a bottle and expand it out to the to a you know a feature length movie that would be sick is this the first oh so all right sorry yeah i, I agree uh, i'm really excited to get into these cards I, I didn't realize that some of these cards have alternate art too so i want to go over those real quick oh really i did not was not aware yeah of that. like so like uh, if some of these like like for like, you click on oko and they have like two different illustrations i guess they're making some borderless cards i don't know how they're marketing this set if there's like box toppers or whatever but like oko has like two different arts like one looks like he's on keto and the other one looks like he's like a week off keto so i'll be interested to see if, if uh, ian agrees with me but <laughs> oh man. are we gonna see the the japanese anime art i know you guys are really big on that <laughs> oh, god damn it <laughs> you know what i would be totally cool if they just did like a historical uh like uh, i would love a return to kamigawa just for please no anime art <laughs> <laughs> well so let's get into spoilers then because there's a ton of stuff going on here the first one i wanted to talk about was oko actually um it's it, it has an interesting effect to me in the plus one where you can just target a creature and basically well let's uh loses all let's back up because first of all what the fuck's an oko <laughs> oko i don't know it's a character i guess Ocho Cinco. oko thief of, thief of crowns 
Oko Thief of Crown, so it's... Also, I'm going to get a little... Listen, also, I'm going to say this, too. I'm getting a little sick of all these uh, eight-pack uh, planeswalkers they have going on. Like, where's, like, the dad bods in here? <laughs> There's no dad bods, and it's kind of making me... Getting me a little upset. Uh, look at Palace Jailer, man. Palace Jailer is probably one of the best uh, dad bods we got in the game. All right, I'll have to check that out. The, the only, like, real dad bod I can think of is... Uh, Oh man, Joven? Is it Joven? Oh yeah, Joven from yeah. Uh, Fallen Empires. Yeah, that's a good yeah. One. That's like the only dad bot I can think of. Excellent. Uh, this is bullshit. You know, Oko does. Oko's get in the gym, getting swole for sure. <laughs> yeah, he does look like he wandered off the set of uh, like three hundred. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of bullshit. Uh, but anyway, um, it's it's a one one green blue for a four loyalty planeswalker. Uh, it's plus two is create a food token, which is like a. An artifact, you can, like, tap and sacrifice it to gain three life. So not, like, a worthwhile token in Legacy, um, but in, that, but whatever. That plus isn't very good, but I just want to point out, this is a three-mana Planeswalker that comes into play and goes to six loyalty. Or five. His other ability is also a plus ability. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature token with base power toughness 3-3. Three, three. So it's goodbye, Grizzlebrand. Goodbye, Emrakul. It's basically a beast within. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not quite a beast within because it can't target anything, but still, any artifact or creature becomes a three-three. So uh, that I don't know how to evaluate that card. That uh, I don't that, that ability. What do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking here in terms of legacy applications. Is this a sideboard card? Is this a main deck card where you have some kind of primary plan and you also want to do this to maybe your opponent's stuff? I, I I'm having trouble thinking about. What kind of shells this could fit in? Because this is green and blue, right? Yeah, so, yeah. That's kind of an awkward mana color color for planeswalkers. Yeah, not a lot of Simic uh, decks in Legacy. Like the only deck I can think of that has green and blue is like Rug Delver, and that's it. Does not care about play, casting a three mana planeswalker, right? Yeah, not not really. Uh, I mean, there are things like uh, Alluren is green well, is green blue in a splash. Mm-hmm. Um, so like maybe Alluren might want something like this. I don't know. Probably not um 12 post yeah i just i can't really think of any shell that like like this thing could just have ridiculous abilities but just the fact that it's a green blue planeswalker i feel severely limits what it can go into right off the bat i agree i'm just always i always want to be aware of any planeswalkers that are three men or less in any set i just think it's worth talking about them because they're you just want to know (laughs) know that they're around personally but yeah i agree i don't i can't think of a place where oko really slides in easily now uh well let's Uh, but you never know you want to you want to mention the the minus five ability yeah that's what i want to get into like let's get into his ultimate so he goes he goes to six like turn one which means you can ult him the next turn and have him Mm -hmm. stick around so that's fairly relevant that he can ult that quick and it doesn't actually even kill him Mm mm-hmm so, minus five, exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls. Just that by itself, I'm like, uh, okay, maybe. And then with power three or less tacked on, I'm just like, okay, unplayable now. <laughs> like, are, there, are there any decks where you actually want to donate something to the opponent? Because you can do it with an artifact. I'm just, I'm not sure. Like, could you, could we potentially ramp this out with some artifact and give it, I, I can't really think of anything right now, but I'm just kind of, I feel just kind of brainstorming. All the illusions of grandeur effects, I feel have usually been like enchantments, mm-hmm. uh, like illusions of grandeur itself. Uh, there was that like what is it m20 or something uh enchantment the mono black like tick down card where after you use the three abilities it says you lose the game 
Um, yeah, I don't feel like there's any like artifacts or creatures that we want to donate. Yeah, the problem is here is that you you put them into play, and the first the first turn you put them into play, you get the the three three right, and then it takes you another turn to swap to do the uh, effectively that Drake effect where you you're you're swapping your thing for hit for their Gristlebrand, right? So it's I have a hard time seeing this work because it's a delayed effect, you know? Yeah. I just realized also his abilities do synergize with each other. So, cause his plus two is make a food token, which is an artifact. Uh, and then his plus one is target artifact or creature becomes a three, three. So over the course of two turns, you can make a three, three, but he's a three mana planeswalker that comes down on basically six loyalty. Uh, and you're just trading off, it can be very difficult to deal with him. I don't think that's good enough for legacy, though. Yeah, and I just misread. So the ext- the opponent has to have a, a creature with power three or less, right? Which right. means you can't actually get Gristlebrand or Merit Lodge. Yeah, no, so you can't you can't get Gristlebrand or Merit Lodge. Oh, I, th- I'm, I thought you were talking about like the more donate effect, but yeah. Um, so I don't think his ult is really going to be that useful unless there's something obvious that we're all missing here. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think he's good enough for a legacy play. I just did a quick search for cards that have lose the game as part of the as part of the text on it, and there weren't any that I think you could play with this card. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, what about the other planeswalker of the set? I think this one has a bit more potential. The Royal Scions. Oh, yeah, the Royal Scions is it's one blue red. Uh, which so like again in the three mana slot, uh, it comes in with five loyalty, which is insane, right? Um, it's plus one is is a is a loot effect, so draw a card, discard a card. It has another plus one. Target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. So that's interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it has a minus eight, so you're it's gonna take a little while for you. I guess it comes in, goes to six, seven, eight, so four turns in, you can ultimate it. Draw four cards. When you do, the Royal Scions deal damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So the the draw four is very interesting. I'm just curious. Is this like a card that like a blue red Delver deck would want to play, or even something like a, a Grixis Delver? Um, I think it's more mid rangey than that. Um, people have pointed out it plays very well with Dreadhorde Arcanist, with letting you like recur things like uh, Colagon's Command. Yep, price of progress. Price of progress. So, uh, I don't know if it's good enough for like the Delver shells, but I definitely could see this going in some of like the mid-range Grixis lists. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like that. I mean, it's constantly ticking up, and it's it basically is this like you need to stop me mechanic where you play this on turn three, and then three turns later, if you're there, your opponent isn't able to kill it, it's ulting. Um, Even without an Arcanist, like, draw a card, discard a card is not a terrible effect. I mean, obviously, like, it's not great at three mana, but it's not a bad effect to have. It's not. And also, like, if you just combine that that other plus one with, like, a true name nemesis, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, now my true name nemesis is just a five one that you can't deal with. I'm just yep. going to speed up the clock that much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I like this. I it, it does have a lot of spots that it needs to compete with, um, but I, I could see this uh, popping up from time to time. It's interesting that you mentioned True Name Nemesis, because this would be in the three-drop slot as well. Right. So it is competing <laughs> with things like True Name. Yeah. Um, I also just want to point out that these guys, we've seen these uh, Planeswalkers before. I, I mean, I haven't. Maybe you have. No, yes, you have, because these were in uh, Battle Bond. 
I don't. I don't. I mean, uh, you're saying that I've seen them. I mean, sure, they they probably release. I don't remember ever seeing this. <laughs> Great, thanks, Pat. <laughs> uh, Pat. James, do you remember uh, the Battle Bond set? There were the twin. The yeah, twin there was blockers. a Will Rowan from before, but it wasn't Legacy playable. It might have just been a Commander uh, oh, card, yeah. right? It was yeah. either it was either Commander, but yeah, it was like two Planeswalkers that could both be your Commander. Um, but yeah, they hinted it's like these these two characters come from like a fairy tale like uh, world, and they you know they were hinting at that years ago, not years, but probably like a year ago uh, that we'd be making an appearance. So looks like we've uh, you know kind of come full circle with the with the battle bond spoilers. Yeah, I'm having a hard time seeing the the value of this card though. I know the the loyalty or the body is huge. I, I don't deny that, but if you compare this card to a brainstorm or even a faithless looting because for one red you can effectively get double this effect where you're drawing two and then discarding it, it's really hard for me to see this working because the second ability of the the creature pump as you guys know in legacy right it's it's not really all that relevant i mean it would be relevant if it carried into the next turn but it doesn't do that so it's only really going to help you when you're attacking and, and nobody blocks in legacy so it's, it's <laughs> kind of... um with it, I would say its biggest competition for spot has probably got to be D- Dak Faden, right? Like, Dak Faden is the three-mana is-it planeswalker of choice yeah. for people. And Dak Faden has been seeing a bit more play. Um, there was the, uh, like, Punishing Fire, like, uh, Faith, uh, Dak Faden, the uh, Notion Thief deck uh, that Edgar, Edgar uh, top-aided uh, GP Niagara with. Uh, Dak Faden's also been like popping up here and ne- uh, now and again in like the Painter Servant builds. Um, so there is definitely some some room for it, but I think Dak Faden already kind of fills that slot pretty pretty well. It's also tough because this Planeswalker doesn't really protect itself from right. other creatures, so you're going to have to sort of clear the way, and it takes you about five turns to to get to the ultimate payoff. So it's kind of in the meantime, you're not really gaining card advantage you're just sort of looting so it, it it's a it's a tough sell for me yeah i mean it, it is uh it is definitely competing for a lot of uh space that's already taken up and yeah it does fail that uh you know key lesson uh or not key lesson but key uh rule of planeswalkers and that it has to protect itself in order to be relevant uh, do we feel that rule is still holding strong because i feel i feel it kind of has weakened over time you're probably right. I mean, the loyalty being so high effectively means you're if you play it in a deck with creatures, you can naturally keep it alive, and it's uh, so it might be less of a factor. Right, and at at some point, just the high loyalty just it turns into an advantage in itself, where it's effectively life gain. Where if your opponents don't have an abrupt decay, which doesn't matter if you have a Liliana deck fade in. Or Royal Scion, it's going to die anyways. But as far as like either bolting it or attacking it with creatures, um, that high loyalty can sometimes just be an advantage worth playing in and of itself. Yeah, it's kind of a border case, but it is relatively immune to magmatic sinkholes, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, one I've noticed this a lot with uh, Narset, where Narset coming into play with five loyalty, if they just play it out, and sometimes they just don't even activate it because they just know I have like a Grizzlebrand in hand or I have a handful of cantrips or something like that, Narset can just be a pain in the ass to deal with. Uh, should we move on to our next spoiler? Sure. Yeah, uh, anything you want to add to that one jerry um so i guess we might as well just mention it because 
uh, a few of the Nick Fit players and Agronome players have been mentioning it is the uh, the Garrick Planeswalker that got spoiled. Yeah, I I guess yeah we can talk about that. I, I don't know if that's if it's good enough for Nick Fit, but I just find it, it is. super interesting design. Okay, well let's talk about it. This is another one that has the alt art, by the way. Uh, it's four black green for a legendary Planeswalker Garrick. It does come in at five loyalty. It has a zero ability to create a to create two. Two two black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's minus three is destroy target creature, draw a card, and it's minus six is you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus three plus three, and have trample. I don't know. If, is this something that Nick Fit wants? Because are they are they really going to be? Uh, I don't know. I think like once you get to the once you get to six mana, like aren't there other creatures you want to be casting and not Garricks? Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it, it pumps out an army that makes Garrick bigger on its own if if they deal with it. I think drawing a card is fairly relevant, while also, like, that minus three is a, uh, basically a two for zero swing in your favor. Mm-hmm. Because you're keeping your Garrick, you're killing their creature, and you're drawing a card. Like, that can really turn the tempo in your favor. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and his minus six, it's like it's not that impressive, but if you make uh, a two-two, if you make two two-two black uh, wolf, black and green wolf creatures, your opponent now is going to be forced. It's like now I either have to let these wolves live, otherwise he's going to be able to ultimate on the next turn. But I also have to attack in to try and kill this Garrick. Like I just feel all three planeswalkers that we've talked about are just going to be really t- like tanky and just tough to deal with on their own, regardless of, mm-hmm. of kind of the board state. Yeah. What do you think, James? I think this is really bad, and I don't think Nick <laughs> even wants to play this. I mean, look at it this way: there's really as a as the opponent, you can just basically ignore the wolves, and anytime it tries to do something relevant, you just bolt it, right? So. And the wolves don't have anything other than when it dies, put a loyalty counter. So you really don't, as a player, you can basically just ignore it because the wolves don't have anything that says, you know, if it deals damage to a player, you win the game or mm-hmm. something crazy. Yeah. They don't even have death touch, right? As is often the case with wolves mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. But um, so I just feel like this is really, it, it. I mean, I don't think I could even play this in any deck, even at half the casting cost, but that's just my opinion. Even half the ca- if this was a three, yeah, even for, I'm serious. Even at three, three I don't I think this what? card is like probably uh, unplayable in Legacy. I don't think this card's playable, like it's gonna see widespread play or anything like that, but like at three mana, like I, I would definitely take a look at this at three mana for some decks. I don't um, know. I I just feel like with Nick Fit decks, I mean there's kind of a, a theme of, you know, chow, uh, stompy or Nick Fit decks where they can essentially play any card that costs more than three or four mana, but it's just there's just so much out there. I, I just can't see this happening at, mm. at six, you know. Cool. Uh, Pat, what do you got next on the list? Next on the list, hold on, let me pull it up. Slacking here uh, was uh, questing beast. Did you Wh- see this guy? What's going is like questing a new thing because we also got questing triceratops, which I feel this is a hallmark too. And wasn't there a questing feldegrift? Uh, yes, there was questing Feldegriff. Um Well, this guy is actually good. It's two green green for a four four legendary creature beast. It has vigilance, 
Sorry. Vigilance, Death Touch, and Haste. I was going to point out, Haste on a Mono Green Creature. Don't see that Interesting, right? I think Crater Hoof was the last time? Uh, that's the Mist Cutter Hydra, I think, at Haste oh, from okay. Theros. I think. I could be wrong. Hold on. Let me, let me look. The, you don't see a lot of Mono Green Creatures who have, that have Haste. Right. Uh, so Vigilance, Death Touch, Haste. Questing beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less, which is nice. No, uh, you know, young pyromancer tokens clogging up its way. I was wrong about miscutter hydra. <laughs> Good, awesome. It's pro. It's pro blue, Excellent. and it can't be countered. Not haste. Excellent. Uh, then combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. Uh, whenever questing beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target planeswalker that player controls. Uh, so what do we think about Questing Beast? Uh, so this is cool because it's got, it's basically like a, an FU to a true name, true name nemesis, right? So like if it, if it attacks and a true name nemesis blocks it, the true name's dying. Oh, is that how that works? I yeah. think you're right. Oh, yeah. did not think about it that way. That's pretty nice. That's pretty cool for a, for a four mana, uh, four, four vigilance, death touch, haste. That's pretty and that itself is a is a good body, like maybe not good enough for legacy, but the true name nemesis true name nemesis beater is good. Um, so that answers young pyromancers and true name nemesis. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, because it can't yeah, because it can't be blocked by the creatures themselves, right? It can't yeah, it can't be uh, chump blocked by the tokens, so they right, and it and it can stay back to block even because it has vigilance, which is pretty cool. Um, I I do like the. Whenever it deals combat damage to an opponent, because all right, so one of the things I think is is frustrating about legacy in general, or just magic in general, in the in the planeswalker era is like the inability to deal with planeswalkers. Um, the, you know, you, you you can attack them, you can bolt them. There's just not a lot of removal spells for them. So this is kind of cool that you can attack a player and still deal damage to uh, a planeswalker as well. I mean, this is also like getting rid of the major strength that I was relying on for all the planeswalkers we talked about. In that, they just have a shit ton of loyalty counters. Yeah, and that yeah. just negates that. Yep, so that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and we have been seeing questing triceratops has been seeing legacy playing, so there is room in certain decks for a four drop with a lot of abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a bu- it's a bit bummer that it's a legendary creature. Oh, I didn't even um, notice that. Yeah, you're right. But uh, a four four with these abilities, these keywords for four mana, and the you know a true name won't be able to block, or a true name can't kill me, or a true name can't infinitely block me, is pretty cool. Yeah. What say you, James? Is it terrible? Yeah, I mean, this could be <laughs> kind of borderline fringe playable, maybe as a green sun target or or something like that. I can definitely see that happening. I'm just wondering, guys, how you think about this in relation to a card that was just released in the last set, uh, Shifting Ceratops, because that card is has basically been an all-star in standard formats, being protection from blue, can't be countered, it's a 5-4, you can give it reach, trample, or haste with one green, and so I, I, I am having a hard time, and also has one more power, so I'm having a hard time like seeing where maybe this card would be better than that. I know we're not talking strictly about Shifting Ceratops, but I'm mm-hmm. just thinking if that card is not even... Uh, a, a player in Legacy, it might be a hard sell for this one. Uh, I think this is better than Shifting Ceratops because Shifting ter- Ceratops requires additional input in order to get those abilities. Like, yes, it's nice that Shifting Ceratops can't be countered and it has protection from blue, but the like the lack of vig- vigilance and trample and just uh, being able to just ignore blocker most of the 
uh, most annoying blockers in Legacy in general, I think puts Questing Beast above Shifting Ceratops in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quick, uh, going back to Miss Cutter Hydra, it does have haste. I lied. It doesn't haste. Also, what are like, you doing over there? <laughs> there's also like one green creature from every standard set for the last couple of years that has haste. Believe it or not. Wow. They're I really from- changing or pushing the boundaries of what the color pie is, aren't they? To- yeah. To- I mean, I see one from BFC. I see it from uh, Ravnica. I see it from uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, uh, Amonkhet, uh, the other Ravnica set, Guilds of Ravnica origins there's, there's like like there's like one from every set um hour of devastation theros like i said so that th- you're getting like one rare or mythic rare green creature every set that has haste <laughs> which is interesting right i know you i know you guys go way back like you guys must remember when planar chaos came out and our minds were all blown back then and now it just feels like you know just the flavor of the week <laughs> right yeah for sure Wow, so I guess haste is just a green ability now. No, I, I yeah. totally missed that memo. <laughs> but it's, again, it's it's gonna it's not gonna be on the commons and uncommons. It's gonna be it's gonna be on the rares and mythics. It looks like, which is interesting. Hmm. I have yeah. to file that. away. I guess to, someone some uncommons, but yeah, I'll have to file that away to talk to Gavin about what's the idea yeah. behind that. Yeah, what's up? What's going on with that, Gavin? Yep. All right, Pat. I think we need to bring out the bo- the big guns for James. James is not uh, easily impressed by uh, by new spice. I, I think we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to jump ahead here and uh, and talk about something that I think we'll see a little bit of uh, of play. Um, I know it has a lot of people's gears turning as far as uh, you know ways to break it and ways to get the most advantage out of it is uh, Wishclaw Talisman, little old monkey. I like spawn. this card. <laughs> it's a, it's a two mana artifact. So one and, in a black. Uh, yeah, one in a black. Enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. You can pay one and tap it and remove a wish counter from Wishclaw Talisman. Search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. Uh, someone was like, oh, this would be great to like activate and then sacrifice to a... Um, uh, what's that? What's the artifact creature, Jerry, we were talking... We Goblin, played with... Uh, Goblin Welder. Yeah, uh, not Welder, the other one. Um, the creature that you can add, Arcbound Ravager. Oh, yes. But I'm saying, like, you get a Manifold key in there, and now you got a stew going, you know? <laughs> you activate that twice, like double, cert- like, double tutor, then sacrifice it. I feel that's going through a few too many hoops to get advantage. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I don't know, man. That seems <laughs> no, that right sounds really sweet, actually. That it, sounds really it sweet. It sounds sweet, but it's like you're essentially doing a three-card combo to tutor for a card, which I presume is another combo, at which point I just think your entire deck is nothing but combos and no action or filter can, or permission. Can you, can you put this in Sneak and Show, Cherry? Because <laughs> I saw this and I'm like, huh. Like, Jerry's always complaining that sometimes you're just whiffing, 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 like, maybe you could take out, like, a couple uh, preordains and put in some wish claws. Yeah, so, I mean, so that is relevant. So, I think probably the easiest way to bust wish claw talisman wide open is just win on the turn that you activate it. Because yeah, exactly. You don't give it to the person. Well, you give it to them right away, but they can't activate it uh, because it's uh, only activatable at a sorcery speed. And or, well, sorry, not not sorcery no. speed. Sorry, only on your turn. My, my apologies. So yeah. only on your turn. Um, so if you just activate Wishclaw Talisman and just win the game on the spot, it essentially did its job already. You don't need to worry about jumping through all these other hoops to try and break it. It's just like 
Just pretend it only has a single wish counter on it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a three mana, three mana demonic tutor, right? Right. And considering demonic tutor is banned in Legacy, and I think <laughs> the only reason why, uh, what is it, Imperial Tutor is that the uh, the portal one that is essentially that it's like one black black. Search your library for any card, you lose three life. Oh, Grim Tutor. Grim yeah. Tutor. Thank you. I think the only reason why Grim Tutor doesn't see more play is because it's like a three hundred dollar card. <laughs> yeah. Um. And this, I actually think, is better than Grim Tutor. Um, you can break the mana cost up over multiple turns, which is nothing but a convenience. It's last, it's less black intensive. Instead of being one black black, it's just one one black or two colorless and a black. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't lose the life. Um, I, I view Wish Claw as kind of just nothing but upside, like a, just a functionally better uh, Grim Tutor. Imagine like just having this like and being able to wait till the turn where you have the show and tell or you have the sneak attack on the board. And then you can activate Wishclaw. I mean, granted, we are in a, a meta game where there's more Colgun's commands running around that can bust up your artifact, but still, like... Uh, I, I like that because it, it it creates some interesting gameplay where you can either decide, all right, I'm going to keep this in my hand to play around Artifact Hate uh, mm-hmm. and pay the greater cost, or I'm going to risk it. I, I need access to my most mana. I'm like, cutting the mar- my margins really thin here. I'm going to just play it out and hope they don't have it. I, I kind of mm-hmm. like those interesting gameplay, cho- gameplay choices that it presents. Yeah, for sure. I think it's pretty cool. Imagine, Jerry, hold on, I'm saying now, imagine you have you have sneak attack out, you have show and tell in hand and this card, you can show and tell this card onto the battlefield, <laughs> then you can activate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, that's that's what I'll do. Yeah, imagine <laughs> resolving omniscience and then putting this out to save two mana. <laughs> love it, love it. I mean, honestly, I would, like, that would just be a sweet cantrip for uh you know and i think you might have a point pat like replacing things like the uh the preordains are with this i mean the problem is is you're going you're going back into black and you probably right. are going to lose access to sneak and sneak attack but yeah honestly that might be worth it like if i can see that like this being your show and tell uh five through eight like that's always been the biggest problem with blue black uh mm. omni show is you only have show and tell it and you're leaning really heavily on that so uh, I mean, maybe this is is the answer to make uh, blue black Omni Show a more viable deck. It's certainly possible. I, I just think it's it's just one of those, like you said, the way you the way this card becomes excellent is that you never get your you get never give your opponent a chance to uh, to uh, activate it themselves. Um, so maybe something even like oh, maybe Cyrus might laugh at me if he listens to this, but. Maybe something like Storm could use a card like this. I don't know, but uh, well, Brian Cook actually said this could have a store uh, a home in the Bolas's Citadel. Uh, oh yeah, of the yeah, list, yeah, yeah. Which I could definitely see that happening. Um, so we got that. Like that. Uh, what do we think? I do about- want to talk about the green, the green instant. Uh, what's the green instant? The Once Upon a Time. Oh yeah, let's get into that because I think that, that one's really cool. I think that'll see some play. Yeah, this one's one in a green for an instant, which is the instant par- part of this is I think is what's the most relevant. Um, if this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. All right, that's cool. Um, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them. Put it into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. I don't like... I, first of all, I don't like the random order thing. I think it's just you're asking your players to do like something that's... You're shuffling four cards for no reason. I think that it should just say put it on the bottom of your library in any order, but that's that's besides the point. I just think like adding like making you shuffle them to put them on the bottom of your library is is silly. 
and like and not not meaningful. But yeah, it's sort of like they wanted to design a card that could potentially be a combo enabler without. But they wanted to make it random just in case something weird happens. I guess with, so. But like, know. what are you worried about in that? Like, exactly. you worried about it? Like, it, like ninety nine percent of the time is just it's just pointless, right? Yeah, it's like, what are you worried about? Someone hooking up with like Doomsday? I don't think. I think it's probably. I don't know. It seems it seems silly to me. I don't like I don't like little clauses like that that make you take an extra step. But whatever. Um. It, it, anyway, this is an interesting card. I think, Jerry. What do you think of this card? Yeah, I think uh, it could definitely show up. I think it might even show up in something uh, more like uh, elves or maverick. Hmm. I think I think just people might use this as a uh, free collected company type effect, uh, where you just reveal it in your opening hand uh, and get that you know instant value, instant selection. Hmm. The question is how how many copies you're going to play in that case where you put it into a, a value deck, right? Cause then you draw it later on. It's just really bad. Yeah, That's the thing. Like it, if you, cause it's, it's going to be strictly worse than green sun right, later on. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're going to want to run four of them. What about something like this in like, um, black green depths? Yeah. I mean the, the black green depths discord has been talking about this. Like find, yeah. find your bobs or find your stages, find your depths. It seems like it has multiple uses. I, I just think the fact that it's also at instant speed is, is worth uh is worth noting. Yeah, it's almost like a a thinning effect. It's almost like playing four bobbles or something cuz mm-hmm. most of the time you can get something in a deck like depths. Yeah. I mean, I think this is definitely going to see a ton of play in modern. It's just whether it's going to be good enough to cross over into legacy. What about oops all spells? What are what is oops all spells grabbing though? So Yeah, that's the- fair. It's kind of like a situation where you didn't mulligan to one of the creature enablers but you want to try to get it off the top five that seems risky right especially with the london mall you can just basically go for it right like i feel i would just be going for the creature initially and if i like keep a hand of acceleration in this and then this whiffs i'm feeling real dumb yeah i think you're right yeah i think i think that could see some play it's definitely going to see some play in modern um and it's just i i think it'll be interesting if this replaces something like uh not self-inscrying but uh like ancient stirrings uh if it if it replaces uh that i really want to ask people like gavin what they thought of when they design cards like this because it just feels like the card is just kind of asking for trouble as some kind of degenerate enabler that mm-hmm. will see its play in some shell but i guess they <laughs> maybe they should have made it mythic so that it'd be even more of a chase rare you know when it when it does have an impact i, I have no idea so. yeah yeah that is interesting i mean it's almost like what what are you guys doing like like no no good can come of this either this exactly anytime <laughs> you make like free mana or fraxian mana it's just nothing good will come of it well right? just like it's like <laughs> Best case scenario, this ends up not being very good and people don't really play it, which is kind of meh. Worst case scenario, this could like break some things in half and cause some really degenerate <laughs> gameplay to happen. It's either going to be a five cent rare or it's going to be banned in a year, right? Right. <laughs> no medium with this. Um, can we talk about a card that I don't think is very good, but I just think is just uh, an <laughs> amazing effect? Like It's just a mouthful here. Uh, Go for it. Doom Foretold. Uh, two white black for an enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player sacrifices a non-land non-token permanent if that player can't they discard a card they lose two life you draw a card you gain two life you create a two two white knight creature token with vigilance then you sacrifice doom foretold it's pretty cool right yeah so is this you get you basically get the the benefit 
anyways, right? So, like, worst case scenario, uh, you discard a card, you lose two life, but then you draw a card, you gain two life, and you create a 2-2 two, two white knight. Well, oh, each player's upkeep. I, never, I didn't even realize that part. Yeah. So it's not each opponent's upkeep, it's each player's. It's oh. each player's, so you have huh. to do it, too. So it's a it's a smokestack for a while that can't get lands. I, like I said, I don't think this card's playable. I just think it's just an interesting design. It's never good if you're the one casting it, and then it comes back to your turn, and it's the, this is the only non-token, non-land permanent you have. You have to sacrifice it, and then you get nothing out of it at all. Oh, yeah, so I guess you can never... You can never lose to it because you will always have Doom Foretold that you'll have to sacrifice as your last permanent. Right. So, okay. Wait, this got even got even weirder. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I, like, I looked at this card, I'm like, oh, that's crap. And then I didn't even... But, like, yeah, the more I think about it, it's just a weird card. Yeah. This All is right. a card that Ian's going to definitely get me with in Esper Stoneblade at some point, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no doubt in my mind. If you think about it, yeah, if you uh, there's quite a few decks in Legacy that if you play this against it, it's like, all right, it's your upkeep. You get all these effects because I don't have any permanence. My deck mm-hmm. is nothing but instants and sorceries. <laughs> um, then what else? Oh, what do you guys think about uh, this counterspell, the Mystical Dispute? I don't think this is very good, but a few people have been talking about it. Eh, it's I don't know. I'm not that impressed with it. So it's two and a blue. The spell costs two less to cast if it if it targets a blue spell. So it could be a one a one blue counter spell. Counter target spell unless its controller pays three. Yeah, I mean, what is that like a mana leak effect? For one, it's too many ifs, ands, or buts for me. Like, too yeah, many- I agree. I mean, it's cool that it's you can cast it for a blue. It's a hydroblast that targets blue. But like one of the reasons why hydroblast is cool is that it it also can destroy a permanent. This can never do that. Yeah, um, and also like the longer the game goes on, I mean, obviously like three mana is a lot to ask for an, any spell, but I don't know. Well, that's know my problem like is like when you get up to a point where you can cast this, it's already too late. Like there are plenty of games where I'll hard cast Force of Will because I'll just make my land drops. But the thing mm-hmm. is, Force of Will is a hard counter. There's right. going to be a lot of games where you can pay full price for this to counter any spell, but it doesn't matter. They're going to be able to pay for it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's got a little bit of better flexibility compared to Spell Pierce because it can tag Planeswalkers. I mean, sorry, Spell Pierce can tag Planeswalkers, but this can potentially get creatures. But the thing is, there's just not that many relevant blue targets in Legacy, I think. And if this is a card, then it becomes a cyborg card, in which case it becomes even more awkward. So I don't think there's a there's a great shell for this. Yeah, I agree. It It's essentially just a uh, a better counter war counter spell. But I feel Flusterstorm just fills that exactly. spot. Exactly, you hit the nail on the head. Like this, this is looking for Flusterstorm spot, and like it's just not good enough. So yeah. maybe this is like a budget option for people who don't have Flusterstorms. But yeah, I don't see this being Flusterstorms are cheap though. Like, <laughs> that's are they thing. cheap? What are they at now? Like fifteen bucks, I think. Oh, that's not bad. No, not at all. I'm pretty sure they're on that. I could maybe I'm out of touch, but I'm pretty sure they're cheap. Yeah. Uh, what about the new uh, mechanic type? You know, what this this new card design? Do, I don't even know how to describe it. Storybook? Storybook? Is that what it is? I believe it is, yeah. I don't yeah, understand how this book. works completely, to be honest, but uh, I do want to say it's weird that, like, the uh, the Flaxen Intruder is considered... Hold on. I just want to pull this up real quick, because I noticed that when I was looking at it originally. It's, uh, it's a human berserker that's a 1-2. 
seems a little, like if I think of something as a berserker, I don't think it's a one-two. That's not very impressive, but uh, yeah, the 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 mechanic is interesting. Like you get to play the creature side of it, and then or, or sorry, you can play the spell side of it and then play the creature side of it when it's in ex- exile is that how it works I, th- I think what it is is if it's in your hand you can play it as an adventure and then if the adventure resolves which is the left side mm-hmm. it goes into exile and when it's in exile you can then play it f- as as if it's on the creature side or you can just play as a creature from your hand but then it then you won't be able to uh to use the the adventure aspect of it unless it goes back into your hand mm-hmm so wait, wait. How did how does this work? I thought you, I thought you have to ca- you have to cast the adventure side first, and then no, you can just play it uh, for the regular cost, the creature side. You, really? Okay. Yes. So you could just play it as a one-two in the case of the Flaxen Intruder, uh, or you can you can play as a seven for creating the bear tokens. Hmm. But it's just that you can choose one or the other, and you can, and if the if the adventure resolves and it goes into exile. And then you After can, and then you can cast it again from exile. And then when you do that from exile, it can only be done as the right side, which is the creature. Huh. Okay. So you can cast an early command. That's interesting. Yeah, it's um, super confusing. Yeah. That it's a cool design, but I feel this is going to be a nightmare for newer players. Uh, I don't think so. I think because each card has like the it says on the sorcery side or the <laughs> adventure side how it works. I don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not uncommon, so people are gonna see it a lot. But now I'm thinking like three years from now when we get a new crop of uh, like newer players and they're going through some of the somewhat older cards and they come across these, they're just be yeah. like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I I mean I don't I don't I don't like that argument in general. Like that new players aren't gonna get it because like, this is a, this is not a core set. So I think this is if they're gonna push mechanics this is the place to do it i don't think it's that i don't think it's that um i think there is something to, to be said about just like complexity and magic because like even when i like i'll be on magic online and i'll do like random flashback drafts and a card will come up and i'm just like that's been printed in like the last 10 years i'm like uh what the hell is the dash mechanic again like how does this work <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah like there, if someone, there are like, a lot of mechanics that are yeah on. and like yeah. the fact that cards don't spell out what mechanics do like i feel if watsi well, is, this gonna... is cool though because i feel like this isn't a mechanic necessarily it's like more like a it's more like a templating thing right because it's it's very clearly spelled out how the card works on the card itself uh, i don't i don't know, i, don't, seems, I don't agree with that because when these cards got spoiled there was a lot of uh conversation about how these worked i know all the uh food chain players got really excited because they thought they just got like 14 new cards to play around with in food chain <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of I'm just kind of annoyed in general. At, I'm sorry if this is going to be a rant. You can maybe cut this out, but <laughs> uh, we don't cut anything. We're definitely not. We're not going to cut your rant. We're not cutting mashed potato sweatpants either. <laughs> awesome. I, I just I'm just kind of annoyed by the fact that the exile zone is just like mishmash of everything mm. these days. Where it, there's nothing special about it. It literally is just a zone that's now three different zones because there's things you can play from exile and there's things that just actually remain in exile and you know like there's things like chandra which like exile and you may play it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and stuff like this so it's kind of just become this additional 
layer of complexity that as a player you have to remember like okay i can do stuff from there and my opponent has stuff on there they might be able to play like it, it just it just ain't what it used to be yeah you know, where it's actually gone which is actually something that the, i remember like i think on our first episode with gavin like they talked about how they wanted the exile zone to be this like special zone like you can't you you, know, you can't uh like mess with it it's almost like now we need a really actually freaking removed from the game exile zone where nothing can touch it <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I feel like that's kind of the exile zone is kind of, uh, an unfortunate casualty of the increasing complexity of magic. Um, all right. Is that all we have on that card? Cause there's one more thing I want to mention before we start wrapping up here. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, were there any of the adventure cards that stood out to you at all? Not really. Personally, no. there wasn't anything that I thought was really interesting, but okay. I didn't, I didn't get too deep into them personally, but, uh, the only one that I, that kind of caught my eye is, uh, the Rose Thorn Acolyte, two and a green. Oh, really? For, okay. Yeah, two and a green for a two three. Add one man of any color, so it's a it's a beefy Birds to Paradise. And then I just think for its uh, sorcery side, like I wonder how many people will just play this as a sorcery card. Uh, one green, add one man of any color to your mana pool. Hmm. I don't know. So it's a filter that can also later be turned into a Birds of Paradise. I guess so. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just thought that one was somewhat interesting. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, like, we are going to Theros. Uh, I, I don't know if it's this set or the next set. Or the, I'm sorry, the next set or the following set, but they are definitely hinting at Devotion coming back with all these... Do you notice in some of the multicolored cards, they have oh, yeah, the Darkness Owl? I noticed that, yeah, the hybrid colored uh, Yeah, cards. so, and like, yeah, four hybrid colors. So, uh, I loved playing Nykthos, uh green strategies in, uh, Theros when it came out, so if you're playing standard, uh, I would pick up your Nykthos now, because I have a feeling that they're going to be going back to Devotion for Theros. Yeah. Oh, actually, real quick, a card I just remembered is uh, Witching Well. I think that actually might see some play in, like, the Urzatron. Is uh, that the blue artifact? Yeah, it's blue for an artifact. Also, what? Like, that's weird. Colored artifact. Anyway. Just it's go. a magical world pad get with the yeah. times. Alright, fair, 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 fair. Uh, when Witching Well enters the battlefield, scry two... And then three and a blue, sacrifice Witching Well, draw two cards. Wasn't there a, wasn't Charter Course kind of like this? Wasn't it, didn't it have a similar? Charter Course? I mean, Charter Course, wasn't that like draw two cards and then discard a card unless you attacked with a creature this turn? Oh, maybe you're right. I'm thinking I, of something else. I just think this is kind of yeah. a, an enabler for the uh, Urza decks that we've seen. Also, the, um, the Dominaria uh, card that made all your artifacts into five fives. Am I am I going crazy here? Was that not the a card? Say again. Sorry. The Dominaria card. The the what is it? Legend or storybook or whatever. Uh, oh yeah. That made all like look at the top five cards of your library. Put an artifact into your hands. Then uh, the final ability on it was make all your artifacts oh five yeah five yeah 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 yeah. Yep. So it, and that plus like Urza together, I think this kind of slots into that, and I think we're getting a little closer to that like mono blue Urzatron deck uh, being being a thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I think this card will be playable when they unban Tolarian Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called Urza James. It's called Urza. He's a Tolarian Academy. <laughs> He's the living Tolarian Academy. Living at the Tolarian Academy, exactly. Um, I just think it's relevant that it's a it's a scry effect on an artifact that sticks around, and then in a pinch, if you really have to late game, you can turn it into some cards. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Cool, cool, cool. 
All right. Well, uh, before we wrap up, one of the things I didn't want to highlight was I really like when magic sets don't take themselves too seriously. And there was two really great card titles in here that I just wanted to go over. I'm, I hope to see that we see more. But Bell of the Brawl and Tome Raider were both excellent. I, I really appreciated Tome Raider. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. So Tomb Tomb Raider and what's where's no, no, Bell? No. Tome Raider. Yes, yeah, because the lawyers said they couldn't call it Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's Tome Raider. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Where's Bell of the Ball? Bell of the Brawl is a black uh, oh. human knight. It's nice. a two and a black. Oh, it doesn't look like it's on the spoiler. Oh, well. It is. No, on mine B- it B-E-L-L-E. Yeah, it's not on Mythic Spoiler. I'm looking at it. I'm on Mythic. I just control F. Didn't come up. Hmm. This is the human knight with menace? Yes. Yeah, Two. it's a 3-2 three, for 3. Oh, okay. There we go. I, guess I just think that... I, just think, I don't really think it's... I don't think it's a great card for Legacy by any stretch, but I, just, I think the name's great. Uh, I just want to point out to some... some slightly, <laughs> like, I'm surprised they got away with this. Did you guys see Witch's Oven? <laughs> Witch's Oven? Dude, this is a dark flavor. Witch's well, Oven. <laughs> they also have a card called Bake into a Pie, so... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, one for an artifact. Sacrifice a creature to create a food token. If the sacrifice <laughs> creature's toughness was four or greater, create two food tokens instead. <laughs> like, wow! That's awesome. That is um, that's messed up. <laughs> I guess food tokens are going to be a big deal in this set. Like, it's going to be one of the... I don't know. I guess so. This really feels like uh, an unstable set. Yeah, it just it just has some fun, like like you said, wistful kind of fantasy aspects to it that I really appreciate. So that's pretty yeah. awesome. I'm gonna be real disappointed if we don't get a uh, Shrek card. I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah, we'll. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get something that looks like Shrek probably. Yeah, I just hope it's not just Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're right. There are so many cards that say make a food token. Yeah, it's 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 there's a lot of them. Um, uh, oh, there was actually one that uh, was somewhat interesting. I just wanted to point out quickly is uh, an equipment uh, ember cleave. Is this the oh, what's this one? Ember cleave legendary artifact equipment for red, red flash. The spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control. When Embercleave enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has double strike and trample. So what people are pointing out is with uh, True Name Nemesis Stoneforge Mystic decks, uh, you can just put this into play and immediately attach it to uh, True Name Nemesis, and mm-hmm. it buys you a turn compared to attaching a batter skull. Hmm. Because it ought like you activate Stoneforge Mystic and it immediately attaches to the creature of your choice. Okay, that's cool. Um, I don't think it's gonna see a crazy amount of play, but I just think it's a it's an interesting trick that people have uh, the option for. So magical Christmas land. Yeah, man, that's where I live. I don't know if you've picked up on this yet, but that's that's where I fully reside. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Debbie Downer over here. You get to so you, it's gonna cost you. You have to have four attacking creatures. You pay red, red. And one of your creatures gets plus one, plus one, and has double strike and trample? Yeah, if you don't have the Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, okay. Because Stoneforge, you just put it into play for one and a one and a white. Right, right, right. Okay. I am I am kind of disappointed. I wish it gave a bit more than just plus one, plus one, but that double strike is uh, is pretty relevant. That's pretty... Yeah, that, it depends on what you equip it to, right? It has to be a good, a good body. Well, so you throw it on a uh, true name nemesis. That makes it a 4-2, which yep. also means your true name is outside of the neg one, neg one effects that typically mm-hmm. get used to kill it. Uh, and it's swinging for eight damage a turn. Yeah, that's not nothing, right? 
So it, it's more, you're not getting the life gain that you would off a of batter skull, but it is actually more damage than you would do with batter skull. So it is a quicker, it's a quicker clock than batter skull. Also the fact that it goes into play immediately in a, t- a equip set, uh, you know, you don't have to pay the, the mana to equip true name nemesis with the batter skull. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, I'm going to have to take someone else's word for it because I'm not going to test that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, Come on, Jerry. You don't want to play the Legacy. Jerry's not goals. playing the jank. So what's going on here? We're losing our touch. No, All I'm right. going to be too busy playing the uh, Blue Back uh, Monkey's Paw show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, great. Well, before we get out of here, um, I do want to... Uh, well, let's get into scoops and poops first before we get out of here. Actually, scoops. It's been a little minute, so I'm a little out of it. But uh, Jerry, who are you scooping in the top eight this week? Uh, I'm going to scoop in Zach Kirby because he started up a uh, new magic website. Pat, nice. Oh, is it, this the Skull Clamp MTG? Yep, uh, Skull Clamp MTG dot WordPress dot com. Um, kind of similar in the vein as like. Uh, uh, the Epic Storm and Thraben University. It's just kind of a collection of you know things he's doing in in Legacy, uh, like tournament reports. I think he posts some streams on there too, some articles. So, you know, if you're someone who just can't get enough Legacy content, you're constantly looking for more, more, more. Uh, it's another uh, thing to kind of take a look at. Nice. Any uh, any poops? Uh, I'm going to poop on super fancy weddings, Pat. I was at a wedding this weekend and it was black tie, which I don't mind. I like, you I like looked, what, dude, you, I saw the picture. You looked fly as fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. You look great, man. I do. Thank you. Thank I do like the tuxedo. My problem is, is it was, uh, it was a super hoity toity wedding and like all the food and appetizers were like kale cups and like pureed uh like random stuff like basically looked like baby food and uh the saving grace though was the groom's father loves pigs in a blanket (laughs) (laughs) so like this was like a high-end wedding they actually got a michelin star chef to do the food for the wedding and the the father of the groom basically gives the uh, the servers like a BJ's five hundred count <laughs> <laughs> pigs in a blanket <laughs> like box to do so they have like all these like fancy five star uh, like appetizers and food and then there's these other waiters which is like pigs in a blanket that they like try to make as fancy as they could. <laughs> That's amazing. And it was just funny how like the entire wedding like the pigs in the blanket were the only things that disappeared at the end of the wedding. <laughs> That's like that's like the that's that is like a Ron Swanson move where he's yeah. just like I know I know what I'm about, son. He just hands you 500 Vienna sausages wrapped in fucking Pillsbury doughboy croissants. Like, like that. That's a guy who knows what he's doing. I, I like that. Listen, and also like here's a hot tip for you. Like if you're gonna invite people over, give them some food that's worth eating. Like you don't you know wow. just be just because it's been pureed. So like you're you know uh, well. You know what? I'm not. You know what? I'm not even getting into it because I don't. I don't want to start making fun of people who are, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it just bothers me. It just bothers me. Um. All right. I'm gonna scoop. I got a couple scoops this week too. Um. I'm gonna scoop in our two newest patrons, uh, Roger Sykes and a Skull Clamp MTG. Uh, both new patrons. Thanks so much. Uh, you can support the show on Patreon.com/slash/LeavingLegacy. I also want to scoop in Gaming Etc. and Time Vault. They're our two uh, closest local stores, and they're both like giving away. Like a time vault for the month of August, which I think was giving away a force of will every F and M, and uh, Etsy's also giving away a dual land every F and M for September. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I'm going to be at FNM this Friday if anyone else is. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, come on down. I will not be there, sadly, but uh, but you can register for me and just drop me for the tournament. I'll see if I can win that. that <laughs> Put your name in the raffle, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Jeremy uh, from Missouri MTG. He's just he's awesome. He's always got some fun stuff going on on Twitter, and uh, I just oh. I just love. I think he's such a great pillar of the format. So I just want to shout him out. Actually, I also want to shout out Jeremy because when I was I was driving, did he send you this, Pat? I was driving back from this wedding. It was a four hour drive from like upstate New York, Mm -hmm. and I stopped to get gas on this like country country uh, back road, and I'm filling up my tank, and I just see a new message from Jeremy comes in, and I play it, and it's just like a guy wearing shark like finger puppets playing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, and just no other context. awesome uh so i'm gonna shout out jeremy for just sending sending me a little bit of randomness uh, in my day <laughs> that's great that's great how about how about you uh, uh james you got any scoops into top eight this week yeah i got i got a scoop for jarvis Yu, who won the the legacy playoff yesterday oh hell yeah uh, with sweet with uh no bad cards rug delver <laughs> and uh yeah he did a good job there so congrats to jarvis uh, i also want to scoop in thomas hep for writing an excellent bug depths primer in google docs recently it's super helpful even for people like me who play depths but not the the bug build it's got a lot of good insight in there awesome yeah tom's been uh he's a multiple time uh co-host on the show and he's tried to teach me depths on multiple occasions and i always find a way to 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 just mess it all up so but he's awesome uh i'm glad he did that because he's uh he's a wealth of knowledge on that deck so that's awesome Cool. All right. Uh, well, James, if someone wants to get a hold of you, uh, I know you're on the, I'm pretty sure you're on the Facebook group. Uh, you do Twitter and stuff. So just drop your handle in here. Let people know how to find you. Yeah. I mean, my Twitter is James underscore HSU. And uh, that's usually the best way to find me. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, let's see. You can find uh, the podcast at LALMTG. You can find Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash legacy. You can find us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash legacy. You can find us on Hipsters, uh, Facebook group. Join that. That's awesome. Email us, legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And, uh, oh, there was one more thing. Oh, yeah. The next LAL Open is October 26th. It's going to be a blast. Uh, really excited for that one. We're going to do more donations, more Headhunter stuff, oh. giving away packs. Yes, speaking of, I actually have an announcement about that, Pat. Ooh. Uh, Mark Fenter actually sent us our first uh, food drive donation to give away. Uh, He has one of the awesome uh, leather playmats that uh, uh, Time Time Vault Vault Games produces. Oh, awesome. Uh, So he's going to be donating that. There are some sweet designs. He's going to send me a picture, so I'll post it on the uh, Facebook uh, page. But, you know, nice leather playmat with a sick design engraved into it cool that's awesome awesome yeah that's great uh yeah so if you want to if you if you aren't able to come to the the event or you are and you want to donate a prize for the food drive or whatever uh contact jerry or myself and we will happily uh hook that up we always appreciate the support and uh, i'm excited for the open man it's gonna be a good time yeah uh, it's gonna be pumped plus costume party pat yes of course yeah costume party i gotta figure out what i'm wearing i kind of want to wear one of those blow up dinosaur costumes but i think (laughs) It would be hard to podcast to like do the the broadcast through like the face mask that comes in that. So we'll see. Um, oh. I already have my my uh, mind down, Pat. Pat, 
I feel I are you are you recycling an old costume? Yes or no? No. Well, I'm recycling a part of it. Uh, <laughs> oh God! What the part? prop? The the turtle shell, man. So last Halloween, I went as <laughs> as Master Roshi, who is a turtle hermit and has a turtle shell. And I'm like, is what that, am I gonna do? I thought his name was Splinter. No, no, no. So I'm like, wait. Whoa, so Jerry, you do like anime? <laughs> wait, is this right, Master? Is, <laughs> you, is this the guy from Kung Fu Panda, Master Ugwe? Is that what you're talking about? No. No, Pat. This is Dragon Ball Z. Yes, thank you, James. Thank you. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard of it. I'm surprised, Pat. We're gonna get you into some Dragon Ball Z because I feel, I feel like you like it. It's, it's very, it's very football, Pat. It's There's zero. Football. There is zero chance I would enjoy it or watch it. Just so you know. <laughs> uh anyway so i was master roshi last year so i'm like what am i gonna do with this full man-sized turtle shell (laughs) (laughs) like oh clearly teenage mutant ninja turtles so i i haven't chosen which turtle i'm gonna go as but i'm definitely going as uh tnmt uh for this halloween if you're not going i think like like the hierarchy of ninja turtles is donatello Uh, michelangelo you, you like doing machines what donatello is at the top for you Yes, Donatello's number one. I am surprised. Okay, and then uh, Mike, and then Michelangelo. I mean, yeah, Michelangelo, because the comedy factor for nunchucks is just too high to have him any lower. <laughs> uh, and then it's Raphael, and then it's Leonardo. Yeah, Leonardo's lame because he's the leader, and he always yeah. has to be responsible. Which yeah, is just that, that, that's the, the power rankings for Ninja Turtles. Just in case anyone's wondering. I'm surprised you wouldn't go with Raphael first. I figured he would be right up your alley. Uh, you know what? He's just like, he's a little too rude for me. You know, he's a rude dude and uh, Raphael, he's a little, little too reckless. See, Raphael's my favorite because he's basically just Wolverine in turtle form. Yeah, but he's not as edgy as Wolverine. That's the problem. So, like, he gets to a certain point. The, the, you only, you're only cool if you cross that line. <laughs> he never crosses that line. He's like the kid who acts out in middle school. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but like, he's still getting like A minuses in class, so he's not he's really not that much of a badass, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like he was definitely the kid who uh sucked on a lollipop and pretended it was a cigarette. Well, yeah, like he he, <laughs> he he like he definitely he definitely lifts the toilet seat when he takes a leak in the bathroom for sure. For sure. So. <laughs> All right, you're gonna have to fill me in on that one later, but anyways, <laughs> that's just proper hygiene, good sir. <laughs> um awesome. All right, well, and thanks of course to Justin Lutz. Wait, He's I want to hear James's teenage oh, yeah. Ninja Turtles power rate rankings. Oh yeah, James, James, if you're gonna rank pow- the 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 Ninja Turtles, what's your power rankings for Ninja Turtles? I think Donatello has to be at the yeah, top. Yeah, agreed. So I, I agree with you on that. The other guys, I really don't. Care. <laughs> Donatello has just always been my favorite. Yeah. Wait, like I would. I had I had the Donatello action figure. I had like I had the, my yeah, my had, mom got us kids. Uh, the weapons one year, she, the three of us, I don't know what possessed her, but she got us all weapons. So I got the bow staff and uh, one of my brothers got the size and my other brother got the nunchucks and we just beat the shit out of each other for all <laughs> Christmas vacation. It was great. Wait, uh, I just want to close the out. Is Donatello your guy's favorite because of the personality or just because he's the one with the sword? Because I feel he, that's no, why no, half oh, of Donatello oh, fans became Donatello. Donatello oh, has a bow one. staff, first of all, sir. I thought Leonardo. Oh yeah, you're right. Leonardo has the swords. He I'm has wrong. the swords. Yeah. Donatello is the cool one with the purple. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The purple. Purple band. Exactly. See, that's my problem. Also, colorblind, so I can never tell Leonardo and Donatello apart. They oh. Just look the same. Dude, you must hate the Power Rangers then, huh? Uh, blue, I that just must know be blue, hell for you. Blue one's the best. Billy Power Ranger forever. 
What? Yeah. Oh no, that's not. It's not even close. If you don't rank the Green Power Ranger above the rest, you're you're. Oh a communist. come on! Like Green Power Ranger is like saying Superman's your favorite superhero. It's what? Like, okay. Kind he was bad, and then became good, and he almost had the sick ass Ace Freely shoulder pads. It was cool as hell. What are you talking about? <laughs> Actually, those are uh, Vegeta shoulder pads. Back me up on that, James. Listen, Green, pa- Green Freely, Power Ranger Ace rip off of Freely Dragon Ball Z. Predates v- whatever Vegeta. <laughs> Vegeta, he predates Vegeta. Okay. Uh, it's pronounced Ace Freely, Ace Freely was rocking that back in the seventies, my friend. So, <laughs> uh, excellent. All right, All right, thanks, Justin. He's gonna figure out how to edit this monster that we made today, and uh, he's he's our audio tech sound engineer, and he's got a great, he's got a good beard too. Actually, he's got a solid beard game. Yeah. Also, did you know, Pat? He's a centaur. I, I did t- not know. <laughs> <laughs> He was he was just like always behind a wall or something every time we met him. I played him. I played him in a game at at, at uh, Time Vault. So maybe that's why I kept getting kicked under the table. Yeah, he really he tucks it all in under the table really well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you have any more spoilers you're really into, post them on the Facebook page or if you're part of the Discord, uh, post them in the Discord. We're always willing to talk about them. Uh, we're really excited for the set, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Come on down to